Amen. All right. Wonderful. Okay. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and let's go to Acts 12. Okay. Acts chapter 12 is where we will be. And as many of you know, we are going through the life of Peter quickly, trying to be quickly, on Sunday mornings, which will lead us into the epistles that bear his name, First and Second Peter. But it looks like, of course, about the first, second week of August, where we'll be, uh, when we'll be, rather, jumping into First and Second Peter. But uh, doing it this way, going through his life first, I think will help aid our understanding of the epistles that he wrote, all right? But as we've been looking at his life, we know that Peter has learned a lot. He's learned a lot about himself. He's learned a lot about others. But the greatest knowledge he has gained is he's learned a lot about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this knowledge, listen, of learning of the Lord never stops. We always are to be growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He even made that sentiment, made that statement with the very last verse of the very last chapter, the very last book that he wrote to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we move forward in the life of Peter, we come to another area of growth in his life and hopefully be one that we will grow in as well. But it's found in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. And as we come to this text, understand that we're going to find out a wonderful truth. Listen, a wonderful, powerful truth of this thing right here. There is power in just a little prayer meeting. <laughs> it's remarkable. Look at it with me. In Acts chapter 12, verse number 1. Now about the, that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, meaning that was Passover time. And when he apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers, that's 16 soldiers, to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, is kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon them, Upon him, And a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, gave him a big old elbow to wake him up like some wives do to their husbands here. Amen. Okay. Let's make sure you're listening. And a light shined in the prison, he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Peter thought he was dreaming. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, had delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda, 
And when, he, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when he had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the, the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another, another place. You know, this text here, as we read, it's really remarkable. There's so much excitement that's just bound up in these few short verses. So much faith here between Peter and some of the folks that are gathered in the church there praying. So much power for sure packed into these little verses. It's all amazing and exciting to read, as I read it at least, to see what God is doing in the life of Peter and through the life of this church. But how did this miracle come to pass? How did this, how did this happen, this great escape, if you will, from maximum security prison? How did this come to pass? Where was this miracle birthed, if I can say it that way? Well, this miracle came from none other than just a little, just a little prayer meeting. You know, there have been some amazing prayer meetings over the years that have led to some mighty moves of God. I heard some and read of some this past week. Uh, maybe you've heard of this, man, this name, maybe you have not, but have you ever heard of George Williams? Uh, he and five of his college dorm mates began to pray together, and from that uh, a little prayer meeting, which many people would join soon after, but from that little prayer meeting of him and five other his college dorm mates, from that prayer meeting, the YMCA was born. And though the YMCA was not originally just a gym and a pool, okay? It stood for the Young Men's Christian Association. Uh, it is said that there was an invalid woman who prayed for two years that D.L. Moody would come to England and preach the gospel. And because this little prayer meeting and the answer to it Moody would soon start his really worldwide evangelism and crusades that he had where he would shake two continents for God and point over a million souls to Christ. C.H. Spurgeon, he was a man who was mightily used of the Lord and thousands were saved under his powerful ministry and today still people read his sermons and lessons that he, that he preached and that he taught and uh, the reason we can read those by the way is because he, he wrote them out and sorry but I have to have notes okay so if he had to have notes I don't feel too bad about having mine but, but, uh, but we still read him today we read about him today and even the ministry that God gave him there in England but when asked of his success why thousands of people have come and flocked to this tabernacle to hear him preach and, and how many people have been swept into the kingdom who have trusted Christ as their Savior because of his preaching. They said, what's your success? He simply said this, my people pray for me. And any given time when he would stand behind the pulpit to preach, there would be dozens if not hundreds of people underneath the pulpit in the room below while he is preaching. They were doing nothing but pray. Maybe you know this name, Jeremy Lamphere. He was a businessman who started a noonday prayer meeting on Fulton Street in New York City. And when he first started this prayer meeting, he was joined by a few and then dozens and a few dozen and then a few hundred. And then within six months, 10,000 people were gathered daily for prayer in New York City alone. 
But this prayer meeting would soon start a prayer revival that would cross the nation in other cities, in the Chicago, in many other big cities, and even around the world because of a prayer meeting. On the Isle of Lewis, two elderly women and five men began to meet on Tuesday and Thursday evenings and simply pray together. They would pray for revival. For months they met together praying. But it would be because of this prayer meeting that would birth the New Hebrides revival in Scotland in 1949 that would last until 1953. But it is said that during this time on the island itself, and yes, of course, in a meeting, but just on the island, the whole island itself, that the presence of God was so real that men who would come riding or walking down the road to get to the meeting would fall under such great conviction that they would get saved right then in the middle of the road before they even made it to the church. The presence of God was so real. There was such an awareness of God. And thousands were impacted during that revival. As I read these stories and others like them, I just sit back in, in awe, really, and say it's just amazing to see thousands of people come to Christ, to see God's people just get involved in service and get involved in worship, just, just, just flock to God. It's amazing. But how did all that happen? Just a little prayer meeting. That's where it started. Now you may be saying, but preacher, those were years ago. Those were, as some folks say, the good old days. There's just too much sin and too much wickedness today. Times have changed. There's just no way something like this could happen. Well, it's true. In times past, I'm thankful we can read of the good old days, as some would say. It is true that wicked men and seducers, they will wax. They will get worse and worse. And yes, in the times in which we live, they have gotten darker. And wickedness and sin ain't hiding. <laughs> They're standing in plain day. Times have changed. I'm reminded as I read my Bible, there's someone who has not changed. There's someone whose power has not diminished, not one iota. And that is God. He has not changed and His power has not diminished. The Bible still says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. I'm telling you with full as faith as I possibly can this morning that God is able. I believe it. And if I was to ask you to raise your hand, if you believe that, I believe everybody would raise their hand to say that God is able. But I'm not going to ask that question. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands to see if you believe that God is able. Here's the question I'm going to ask. I'm asking myself. It's a very convicting one I've had to ask myself for a few days now. Is yes, I will say God is able with my lips, but does my prayers prove that I believe that? How do I pray? How do you pray? When you get upon your knees or you sit beside your bed or wherever it is you have your place to pray, if we was to listen in and hear it, would it prove that you believe in your heart that God is able? You see, as we come to our text, I believe 
that these folks were praying in faith. Most of them, there were some. We'll get to that in a minute. They were like, I don't know about this, but there were some. that no doubt believed that God was able. And they prayed extraordinary prayers. And I'm asking God to help us to do the same. Listen, I'm asking God to help us pray prayers that if the answer comes, it almost scare us. You say, you're crazy, preacher. Well, that's besides the point, all right, but still. Because in his text, we just read it a moment ago, that after they got their answer to prayer, the Bible says they were astonished. And that word astonished means they were thrown out of position. They were beside themselves. They were, they were out of, they, were, they couldn't believe out of their minds. Basically, we would say it this way, their minds were blown, man. Wow. Um, they were astonished. They're only astonished. They're only freaked out about it because they were praying extraordinary prayers. And as we look at this this morning, I'm asking God to teach us to pray. Not just the ho-hum, routine, ordinary. We need that. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I don't see anything wrong with that. But to begin to add to that and to pray in great faith, believing God is able. Because in this moment, Peter, though he has learned much of prayer as he even sat with the Lord praying in the garden, hearing the Lord pray in this moment, in his life, in Acts 12, he's learning that the power of a prayer meeting is a reality, and not just something you read about. And I believe God is able. The first thing I want to see this morning quickly is this. Number one, notice the church here, and, and, and Peter as well, notice their predicament, all right? In verses 1 through 4 in these verses, there's a few words like for us to take note of. And the first one is this, in verse number 1, the, the word vex. Now, what does this word mean? Well, it means to hurt, to harm, to mistreat, or to torture. And this is what Herod here, he would have been the governor type of individual, this is what he wanted to do. He wanted to cause great harm and mistreat and torture these people. But whom did he want to torture? Who did he want to harm and mistreat? Well, the Bible says for us in verse number 1, certain of the church. So he was not trying to attack the entire church at the moment, but certain of the church, meaning a specific group of the church. And that certain group of the church that he wanted to vex, hurt, or torture was the leadership of of the church. He, he wanted to vex the church and certain of them. And at certain was John, this John here, I'm sorry, James, would have been the, the brother of John, the, the apostle John, the one who wrote the gospel of John, his brother, the sons of Zebedee, that James, all right? That's the one he wanted to attack and vex. And also, of course, Peter. He was after certain. He was after the leadership. He was coming after the leadership of the church. Why would you attack the leadership? Because if you can get the leadership, you can possibly get the others that follow. If you can get the under-shepherd, then you can smite the, and scatter the sheep kind of thing. And just on a side note, once you understand something, that the devil is still doing this today. He wants to attack leadership. He wants to attack the leadership of your home. Why? So you can try to do some harm to your family. And it would seem as even today there's an all-out attack on men trying to villainize men and manhood. It's awful. Men, I want to encourage you, keep being men. 
All right? Keep being a, a, a strong, here's a key word, loving leader. And don't let anyone else tell you can be, you can't be anything else, all right? You are a man. Be a man. Be a man. We need some men who will be loving leaders today, to love their family, to lead their family to God and for the Lord. And don't dare feel bad about it. But the devil wants to attack leadership today. He attacks the leadership of the home. And yes, he does still attack the leadership of the church to, so he can try to harm the church. So can I be selfish for just a moment, if you'll allow me to? Will you pray for your pastor? I would appreciate it. And pray for his family. You know, as a youth pastor, I thought I had a little bit of a handle on what a pastor does and involved in and shoulders. I didn't know the half of it. <laughs> Until you put your, your feet in those same shoes. I'm not trying to get any pity, I promise, not one bit. just want to get your prayers. Pray for your pastor and his family. Pray for your youth pastor and his family. Pray for your deacons, will you? Because I'm telling you, there is a target on the leadership of the church on their back. The devil would love to discourage them and beat them down. But what helps lift them up is the prayers of God's people. Keep praying. The devil's always vexing. He's always attacking. And he's doing so to certain leadership. But at this moment, as they're vexing and harming and even killing the certain of the church, notice this. Herod saw that it pleased the Jews. Meaning, with all this harming, all this hurting, all this persecution, guess how the majority of the people responded to it? They agreed to it. They were like, yeah, we like this. We're happy uh, about all of this. And, of course, with Herod being the typical corrupt politician that he was, he wanted to please the people further and wanted to take Peter's life. So this is the predicament. This is the climate in which they were living. Herod is vexing certain of the church. Persecution is on the rise. James has been killed, and Peter, he is next. But what do you do? What do you do in that moment? Do you complain? Maybe. <laughs> and no one would blame them. That's pretty tough. Would you fuss at how wicked the people are, especially Herod? Well, sure, you'd probably be right. Would you complain about how bad the government is? I won't go there. They might have done this and maybe even more. We don't know for sure, but we do know this one thing they did. Number two, we see they prayed. The church, when faced with certain persecution, with certain trials, with certain harm and torture and even murder, listen, the church did this. They came together. They assembled together God upon their knees and called upon their great God in heaven. These people, in this moment, what they did is they prayed. But notice quickly how they prayed. Remember, I asked you earlier on, on in the introduction is how do you pray? How, how, how do we pray? Notice how they prayed, all right? Look again at verse number 5. The Bible says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. 
So first they prayed this way. They prayed extraordinarily. They prayed extraordinarily. Uh, look, at, look at the verse again. The verse says, Peter therefore was kept in prison. But what's the next word? All right, seven of you are listening. Let's try again. All right, look at verse number five. Peter therefore was kept in prison. But. <laughs> but. Prayer was made. Listen, this prayer the church was praying was not an ordinary prayer. It wasn't. It wasn't an ordinary prayer as we would sit down and thank the Lord for our food before we eat it. It's not an ordinary prayer as we would, right before we pillow our head at night and thank the God, thank God for, for a good day. It wasn't an ordinary prayer of even like, oh, poor Peter, bless his heart, God be with him. It wasn't just an ordinary prayer. No, this was an extraordinary prayer. They were praying out of the ordinary. Why? This prayer they were asking? I'm telling you, folks, it's impossible. It is absolutely impossible for them and for him, Peter, that is, to get out of prison. But this praying, this extraordinary praying was full of faith because this little word, but, here, is a faith word. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. Peter was kept in prison. But. Persecution was on the rise. But. They had just killed James. But. This, this prayer right here was full of faith. Yes, we know that Peter is in prison. What are you going to do? Assemble a SEAL Team 6 out of the church and go get him out? No, no. What are you going to do? We're going to do this. But prayer was made. To pray for Peter at this moment, I want you to know, especially to get out of prison, it took a lot of faith. Because this prayer was an impossible, impossible prayer. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you pray impossible prayers? I'm talking about prayers that take a lot of faith. Prayers that there just ain't no way around this one. This has to be the Lord type of praying. If not, you should start. Because listen, our God is bigger than we could ever imagine. His reach can go further than we can ever think. But sometimes it is hindered because of our lack of praying. We need to pray. I've got things I'm praying for that only myself know or my wife may know about. Maybe a few others may know about praying. That's big. If it gets answered, it will freak me out. <laughs> I will be astonished as these people were astonished. What God would do. So notice how they prayed. They prayed extraordinarily. And then quickly they prayed this way. They prayed persistently. I Meaning the Bible says here in verse number 5, but prayer was made without ceasing. This means they were, this word without ceasing means they were stretched out, meaning they were going to pray as long as it took. They were going to be persistent. Now, what does persistent mean? It means the quality of continuing steadily despite problems or difficulties. In other words, they were not going to give up. They were going to keep praying. 
for Peter. And too many times in our lives, we begin to pray, maybe even extraordinary prayers or, or prayers that would be like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but it has to be the Lord, all of God completely. Uh, but we, we start to pray those type of prayers and things begin to get hard and we want to give up because we don't get the immediate answer. We live in such an immediate gratification type of atmosphere and world, you know, with you, you don't know the answer to a question, you immediately pull up your phone and find it and do it in seconds, Right? But sometimes God is not going to answer like that. It may be, wait a little bit. It may be, not yet. But keep praying. These individuals, this church at this moment, they were praying. They were praying. They were not going to give up. There's no telling how long they've been praying either. It could have been hours. It could have been days. Maybe even weeks. And no doubt they, their prayers intensified once they heard of the martyrdom of James. But they were going to continue to pray. They were going to be persistent. Let me ask you a question. What is it that you've been praying for? Or maybe who is it that you've been praying for for some time now? Maybe the answer has not come. Can I encourage you? Don't stop. I have family on my heart and mind that I think of often. I've been praying for for years to come to Jesus as their Savior. I've given them the gospel dozens of times, and yet they've not turned to Christ. You know what I'm doing? I'm still praying. I'm still waiting. I believe in God for the answer, knowing that He is able. Can I encourage you? Don't stop. Don't stop. Dr. Comfort, I heard him one day give a testimony of his own dad, who he prayed for for 22 years. And finally, one day as he's preaching a meeting, his dad came to the meeting and got saved, believed the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved. But he prayed for him for 22 years, every single day. Don't stop. Keep praying. They prayed extraordinarily. They prayed specifically. Thirdly, they prayed this way. They prayed specifically. Sorry, persistently prayed specifically. And listen, the, these folks right here were specific in how they prayed. And when it comes to prayer, this is where really the rubber meets the road. We need to be specific when we pray. Not just use vain repetitions, meaning empty words, as the heathen do, as Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse number 7, but have a specific point to our prayers. Do you know that when you pray specifically, you get specific answers? Amen. You do. And you will. Do you remember Gideon in Judges chapter 6? Gideon was a simple farmer, but at least that's what he saw himself. But uh, when the Lord looked at him, he saw a mighty man of valor. And when the Lord said, hey, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, Gideon's like looking behind him like, who's he talking to? You know, he was talking to Gideon. And he wanted Gideon to be the next deliverer, the next judge, to deliver his people from the hands of the enemy and no doubt this terrified Gideon. It would terrify me too. And he said, Lord, if you're willing to do this, then here's what I need. I'm going to lay out a fleece. I'm going to put a fleece, a blanket out, outside my house. And in the morning, I want the fleece to be wet and the, the ground to be dry. If you really want me to do this. Next morning, he gets up and it's so. Fleece is wet, ground is dry. And uh, Gideon being the... A little bit nervous fellow that he was. He said, eh, maybe that was a fluke. Okay. <laughs> How about this, Lord? Maybe um, I'm paraphrasing, of course, all right? This is the, the Philip Luther translation. Okay, whatever. Paraphrasing. He said, well, okay, Lord, well, um, since the fleece was wet this time, let's do this. Make the fleece wet and the, the ground, I'm sorry, the fleece dry and the ground wet. Well, let's, let's try the opposite now. 
Next morning gets up and it was soaked. What I'm saying is I'm not telling you to throw out a fleece tonight. You're asking for something. But here's what I am saying is this. You pray specifically, you're going to get specific answers. Just as Gideon was praying and asking for specifics. There's one more thing here that I'd like for us to see as we look at this powerful little prayer meeting. It's not only the predicament that they're in, it was awful. I couldn't imagine it. And not only they're praying and how they were praying, but this, number three, their problem. You say their problem was, was Herod, the government. Well, yeah, that's a problem. You see, the problem was one of their great leaders, one of their beloved disciples, uh, the, one of the apostles was murdered and killed. That's awful. You're right, it is awful. That is a problem. But the greatest problem they had at this moment was not Herod. It was not that one of their own was killed. It was not the rise of persecution. Rather, it was, it was this. Look at verse 15. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. This is the rest of the church talking to Rhoda when she says, look, Peter's at the door. The answer to our prayer is here. And they said, girl, you crazy. That's what that means in the Greek, thou art mad, okay. You're crazy. Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, oh, it is his angel, meaning, well, I guess they killed him. Poor Peter. We prayed for him, though. Bless his heart. It's his angel. Verse 17. But he beckoning, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 16. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw it, they were, they were astonished. Meaning, again, their minds were blown. Couldn't believe what they were seeing. Couldn't believe what they were hearing. It's actually Peter. And I think, listen, some of them, at this moment, they, they didn't believe. They didn't believe, because some, some of them didn't believe the report of little Rhoda, this damsel girl. Rhoda means Rose, all right? So her name was Rose, pretty name. They didn't believe this little girl, though, and she told them that it was actually Peter at the door. She was so excited even uh, that Peter was at the door that she, she probably recognized his voice, didn't open it yet, but recognized his voice from all the preaching she had heard from him. And, but she was so excited that she forgot to open the door. Uh, look what the Bible says in verse number, uh, let's see here, verse number uh, hmm, mm -hmm, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yep, there we go. I get it. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. She was so happy Peter's here. Oh, he's here. And she runs away. <laughs> yeah, that's something probably my daughters would do, get so excited and not open the door and leave, you know. But that's what she what she did. And when she went and told them that Peter is at the door, you got to come see him. They didn't believe her. Why? Well, again, Peter, you got to remember where he was. He was in prison, not just any prison. He was in maximum security prison, chained to 16 soldiers. He was not getting out. There was no way he was getting out. He's not going anywhere. After all, we're talking about Peter. He's just a redneck fisherman. He's no Chuck Norris. He ain't going nowhere. It's Peter. There's no way he's out there. I mean, we'll pray for Peter, you know. <laughs> Though there were some absolutely believing that God was able, there were some, yes, even praying, but their prayers didn't prove it. 
They couldn't believe this was possible. Because surely this thing was even too hard for the Lord. And listen, I want to tell you, maybe some of you this morning going through some things, you're like, man, this is tough. And I have no idea where the answer is going to come from. I have no idea what's going to happen. And maybe you think, you know, I don't even know if the Lord can help in this situation. You know, I've actually heard people say that. <laughs> I have. I don't even think the Lord can answer this one. And they chuckle. And then I grieve in my heart. And, yeah, you know, you just don't know the Lord then. Maybe not his power. You just need to see a good glimpse of it. and Go back to your Bible and see how powerful he is, you know. But sometimes we think some of these situations we face and go through even hard for the Lord. But I want to give you some promises from Scripture that I hope will increase your faith as you leave today. In Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? This is a verse that really has been etched on my heart and mind. I'm thankful for it. Because I need to be reminded often. Going through something that's hard and God, I don't know about this. Be reminded, well, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Of course not. Of course not, Lord. You are the Almighty, the God of all flesh. There's nothing too hard for you. Another verse in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Do you believe that all things are possible with the Lord? If you believe that all things are possible, then listen, they will show up. That fact will show up when you pray. Remember, I asked in the very beginning, if we believe that He is able, then it would show up in our prayers. So let me ask you again, how have you been praying? Do you pray believing he's able? Full of faith. Oh, you're able. Now, I'm not saying in that moment that the brokenness or the heartache goes away, but I am saying in the moment, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your tears, in the midst of your heartache, you still say, God, I can't do this, but I know you're able. Do you still believe he's able? It will show up in how we, how we pray. And I believe Peter, though he knew the power of prayer, meaning he has seen Jesus pray, he's heard Jesus pray, he prayed with the Lord even himself, he was taught of the Lord how to pray. And though he experienced so much prayer in his life as he was with the Lord, at this moment in Acts chapter 12, this great power of a little prayer meeting became such a great reality in his life. And it made such an impact on his heart and mind. Look what he says in verse number 17. After people there like, oh my goodness, it's Peter. And they were just probably, oh, you know, just, just beside themselves. Their minds are blown. And this person's talking louder. And they're going to talk louder. And this person's talking. And uh, uh, look what there's the verse number 17. But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace. Like, hey, I'll be quiet a minute. Shh, shh, shh. That's what that is in the Greek. Shh, right there, okay. <laughs> hold on a minute. Calm down. Beckoning in the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, after he gave his testimony, he said this, Go show these things unto James. Now, just so you know, he's not talking about the James that had been martyred. He already knew that. 
And he knew he was next. So James here he's talking about is not John's brother. It's not James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Rather, this James he is talking about is the one who bears, uh, the, the, the book that bears his name in our Bible, uh, the general epistle of James. All right, that's the James he's talking about. Go tell him. And that James, by the way, was the Lord's brother. We would say half-brother, but the Lord's brother. All right. He said, go tell James and to the brethren. He departed and went into another place. This had such an impact on his life. He said, you need to go tell James this, man. And go tell the rest of the brethren. And this this reality, this powerful, powerful prayer meeting that they had here had such an impact in James' life, just hearing it. He wrote these words. James chapter 5, verse, verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. <laughs> James was letting it be known. Listen, there is a great power in a little prayer meeting. You pray extraordinarily. Pray persistently. And yes, even specifically and much will get done God moved mightily listen through his praying people here in Acts chapter 12 and really every time you see God moving so mightily in the book of Acts it's really preceded by a time of prayer But God moves so mightily through his praying people at this time. And I want to tell you today, I believe it with all my heart. He does the same through his praying people today. And church, we need to pray. We need to pray together. I want you to pray with me. Pray that God would use us in such a way That would almost scare us. Pray that God would grow our church in such a way that only He can get the glory through it all. Pray for people in our church who are hurting, who are struggling, and yes, who even need some healing because God is able. I heard a testimony even recently this past week of a young, young boy who had leukemia and the doctor was not giving much much hope and he went back for his next appointment and the doctor said, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, unless we just got it completely wrong, there's no leukemia in this boy's body. Well, let me tell you how that happened, okay? Benny Hinn was not in town, friend, but his praying people were, amen. Pray with me. Over the lost, that God would give us more effective opportunities to reach people with the gospel. You know, I pray every, every Sunday when I come, to, come here early and come to the auditorium. I pray every Sunday that the presence of God would be so real to us. Now, I understand we know we have God with us always. He never leave us nor forsake us. I'm thankful for that. But sometimes we're not so aware of it. But I pray that God would make His presence that we would be so aware that God is with us. Because out of the presence of God, there's great refreshing, there's great joy. And if there is a day and time which God's people need both of those things, it's now. Lord, do you find it in the presence of God? Pray with me. Pray with me for revival. I'm praying for it. We're going to have a 
A meeting, we call it a revival meeting. It's a meeting we set aside to seek the Lord for that. In October, we start with our friend and family day, and that leads into our revival for that week. I'm going to go ahead and announce it now. I wasn't going to now. I was going to do it later, but I'm going to announce it now. But leading up to that meeting, what I would like to do is this. I've been challenged to do it, so I want to challenge myself and you as well. But to have 40 days of prayer. 40 days of prayer, preacher, what do you mean by that? I don't know exactly, except we're going to be praying for 40 days. 24-7? I don't know. Maybe it's a time we meet together here each day in the evening. I don't know. But I do know this. We need to meet to pray. And leading up to that time, we have together 40 days of prayer. There's friends and family, again, you've been praying for for years. And in those times leading up to it, their friend and family day, we're praying for them. You know, God used 40 days in Scripture a lot. Used 40 years in the wilderness, remember? There's something about that number 40 in Scripture. 40 days. We've got to pray. I believe that God is able. So in this moment, all I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to be specific on what you pray for. I'm just going to ask you right now to pray. Maybe you want to do so in your pew. That's okay. Maybe some of you would be bold enough to step out and come to the front and altar this morning. Just pray. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just simply pray. Just pray this morning. To thank Him. To thank the Lord for His goodness, His grace. Thank Him for so great a salvation. To thank Him for the privilege and opportunity to pray. Pray for loved ones who don't know Christ as Savior. And if they were to die today, they'd step out into a Christless eternity. Pray for them. Pray for them by name. And pray for opportunity yet again to share with them the good news of Jesus. Others we have in our heart and mind, pray for them that just need a touch from God. They need, truly, they need healing in their body. Only God can do it. Doctors that are lost, they can't do anything else. Thankful for them, but good night. Our faith is not in the doctors, but it's in our great physician because he's able. Pray for those that are discouraged, down and out, little dealing with some melancholy, just need the joy back, the joy of the Lord to be their strength. Once again, pray for them. Let's just pray. So in this moment, let's spend some time and pray.